Hi, this is CD. Um, just discovered your podcast, your first million. I think what you're doing is great. I think it's amazing. I can't wait to hear more from you. Um, this is awesome, man. I was just kind of reading over like the bio and all of that and then just listening to the episodes. I'm just really excited about like discovering more about what you're doing, man. This is awesome. Um, just thought I'd drop you a quick message. Keep up the good work. All right. As we as we have people coming in little by little here. Oh, yep. Let's have Chacho. You'll introduce yourself and let everybody know what your role will be during this conversation with Minda. Absolutely. So I'm Chacho Valdez. I'm Arlen's apprentice and chief of staff and I will be dropping links in the chat and also um, helping moderate and bring up any questions that you might have to Arlen and Minda. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming in. I know that uh, we had quite a few signups and we're just getting started here at 12 Pacific. So I want to give people, <clears throat> pardon me, I want to give people more time to come in. Where will, uh, Chacha, where will people leave their questions and how will they chat? How does that work? Sure. You can uh, leave your questions in the Q&A like, tab in the middle of your screen. And then you can also um, be in the chat on the right-hand side and make sure to click all panelists and attendees um, if you'd like everyone to see what you're saying. And that's it. Yep. And Chacha will be uh, talking to everybody on chat. So make sure if you are signed up through your desktop or laptop, check them out on chat. Um, if you have questions, we will be answering questions um, throughout the conversation. Actually, I won't, I won't wait till the end. So if you have questions, make sure they do go in the Q&A section rather than the chat section, if you can, just so that we can uh, make sure we get to it. And yeah, everybody's checking out the books in my background. You might notice, let me do this. Yeah, you might notice one that <laughs> is uh, in both of our backgrounds. Let's see, let's see if we can get Minda spotlighted so I can make sure you see her background. That's Minda. All right. And you, you know what, Minda, we are going to have to talk about a couple things in this background. I would like to start by talking about, is that a Drake candle? Yes, he's the patron saint. <laughs> we, I have a Beyonce one in my bathroom, so this one's in my office. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, we're, hold on one second. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm reading Chacho's message, and I, I thought he was talking to us, and I was like, oh, we've been muted this week. Oh, no. Great, great. <laughs> it's doing, you know, I did an update on Zoom, and it's, it's, it's doing something different with the chat than it used to. It actually shows me the, with the words, and it's super distracting, so I don't know why they would do that. All right, so thanks, everybody, again, for joining. You are here to see Minda Hartz, author of The Memo, um, what's your subtitle, Minda? Because I love your subtitle. <laughs> what women of color need to know to secure a seat at the table. Yes, that is a strong, strong subtitle. When did it, when did it first come out? Let's start with the book. Let's start talking about that. We can get your background and everything. But when did the memo first 
debut. Yeah, well, thanks again, Arlen, for having me. And everybody's so happy that you're here with us. Uh, so it came out August 20th, 2019. August 20th. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, as we've talked about, I'm, I'm going into my, my final week here before the debut of my first book. It's about damn time. And you have been, I've been studying you, watching what your work, you know, we've been talking about it, finally got to meet, finally, just before all this stuff happened. Um, what was that like? What were the, the months and the weeks and the days leading up to the book release like? I know a lot of people have asked me that. So Yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I'm so excited for next week. I've actually bought 12 books that I gave away. So I hope that you're, you've pre-ordered um, Arlen's because as an author, that's what I did months before. It was push, push, push the memo, right? Being on everything that you could think of or have the opportunity to be on. But you know, I was nervous. I'll have to be honest with you. I think we can be candid here, keep it 100. I was nervous because I put myself out with this book in a way that I hadn't before. And so I um, was also not well in terms of physically. I was going through a lot of health issues and was going through a lot of surgeries and MRIs. And I thought, you know, God, I don't know what the other side of this book is going to be, but I'm going to put it out there. And the people who need it will find it and hopefully it'll help them. And so for me, it was all this anxiety because I just didn't know I was sick and if people would like it, would they get anything out of it? But the one thing I base my life on is that what I can control and what I could control about it was writing it, putting it out there and um, hoping that people would get what they need. But I just, I tweeted, I um, did videos on LinkedIn. Uh, I just let people know who may not have known about the work I've been doing, um, what, what they could expect from the memo. Yeah, and I think that sort of um, um, putting yourself out there is part of what your book is about and, and, and not um, shrinking yourself. You know, a lot of times it's, it's hard for, for us to, to even promote ourselves or to champion ourselves. But I, you know, obviously I've learned, <laughs> I've learned that that's okay. Um, because you do, you are making up for lost time. In my opinion, you're making up for lost time. You're also competing against a machine that's already in place from so many other people who have the mic, right? So you right. kind of have to wave your arms a little bit when it comes to uh, women of color, black women, et cetera, um, um, getting to the forefront of things. So why was it important to you? I don't want to be too stale with my questions because I know you've been asked a million times, but I'm just really curious about like this book, maybe you can explain what the book is about briefly and then I'll, and then I'll ask. Yeah, no, thank you. Cause there may be people who've never, who didn't even know this book existed. They came here for, for you, Arlen. Uh, so <laughs> basically, um, it was 2015, it was 2013. I read this book called Lean In that maybe some of you may have heard of by Sheryl Sandberg. And I was in corporate America and I thought, oh, I read the book. My boss had bought it for every woman on our team. And I thought, okay, I'm ready to read it. And so after reading that book, I thought, oh, this is some great information, but I'm just tired of reading books where white men and women tell me what I'm supposed to do. You know, tell me how I'm supposed to move in the workplace when they never have to deal with racism. Um, and so that was like my thing. And I kept trying to figure out what it was I was going to do. And literally, because I have this candle of Drake to always remind me, it was 2015, I was on an Amtrak train from DC to, uh, to New York and I was listening to this song called Trophies and it said, did y'all boys not get the memo? And it like hit me like a sucker punch. I'm like, they hadn't got the memo that women like me deserve a seat at this table. We've worked too hard to lean out now. And it pretty much talks about 
what it's like to be, when you do lean in as a black woman, when you do lean in as a brown woman. And so I wanted for once us to be able to read a story where we could shake our head and be the center of the career narrative. And so that's what it talks about. But not only is it like, it's not woe is me, it tells kind of this journey, the story arc in, in terms of, you know, um, we've worked really hard. And so some of that may be, we do have to wave our hand or raise our hand and how do you do it? Um, Audre Lorde said, beware of feeling like you're not good enough to deserve it. And I think some of these environments that we've been in beat us down and tell us to shrink, like you said. And sometimes we start to believe that story. And so I'm like, no, not anymore. We're, we're not believing that story and we're moving forward. And I also hold task our so-called allies. Like, listen, you know, you guys say you're allies, but I want to see the receipts. I want to know what's really good. You know, are you going to show up when it matters? And so that's what I did. I, I told the story about what it's like for us to lean in. Yes, and that reminded me of uh, Rihanna recently doing her, I think it was NAACP, where she said, allies pull up. And, it, yeah. you know, just, just staggering to hear from her. Uh, because, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of minds that you have to step over when you're, when you're a woman of color and you're trying to do so much at the same time. You know, you have so much in mind. You, you're trying to, yes, make it for yourself, but you're trying to make it for so many other people. And in order to do that, you have to think about how you are perceived by the very people that you are talking about in this book. Like, for instance, one of your chapters, you talk about going to the Women's March and seeing that there were so, mostly white women there. And they were just like livid about Trump. But at the same time, the, the numbers didn't add up to you because you know that m more white women than not voted for him. So you looked around and said, how many of these women voted for him who are in this line picketing right now right. Uh, are, do, you know, marching right now? And that's really interesting. When I think about it, though, you, you're probably aware that my wife is white. Um, my coworkers are, a couple, you know, some of them are white, that sort of thing. And I know that you run in circles how has that part of it been perceived? Because you you are speaking your truth and our truth bravely. How is it, have you had pushback? Have you had people upset with you who are close to you? You know, for some reason, I don't, I think timing is everything, Arlen, because for me, and I'm glad that you brought it up because yeah, listen, I have white friends. You know, some of my, my greatest friends are white and, you yeah. know, I've dated white people in the past, you know, <laughs> you know, I've been there and it's one of those, it, I sound like one of those people I have black, black. Yeah. Friends. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of them are delightful. I mean, you know, let's, <laughs> you know, um, but it's one of those things where I realized that I hadn't had some important conver critical conversations with some white people in my life. Right. And I talk about that in my chapter called no more passes that in, in one situation, I was in Los Angeles on book tour and one of my childhood friends, Jamie, who was a white, a woman, she came and she heard the conversation, right? And she brought her mom, her mom was visiting from Chicago and it was like just them and like maybe one other white person in the room and their eyes had got like big, you know, as big as saucers. And she came to me after she's like, I had no idea. I probably harmed you at, you know, we've been friends since we were in the fifth grade. And she's like, have I done some of the things that you've talked about? And I said, you have, you know, and we need to have these conversations, but how, like Brianna said, how can you pull up now that you know what's it gonna look like? And I think that for me, I grew up in a predominantly white environment, uh, 
much of my life. And it was one of those things where I never had these hard conversations, these critical conversations at the expense of my own well-being. And at some point I realized that this started to affect my well-being, not having these conversations. And so, um, and I realized that that spilled over into my corporate life, in my nonprofit life. I couldn't have these conversations. And and it was at the detriment of these relationships. And so for me, I've heard actually good things. Like those who want to pull up, it's a hard read. I've heard from countless um, white men and women who've read it and they said, you know what? It was a hard read. I couldn't finish it all in one sitting, uh, but I'm glad I did because no one had told me. Or And then I say to them, well, I'm glad you did because it takes that courageous listening, but now what are you going to do now that you know, right? Because it's now we can really have a conversation and that's what I think that's what I love about the memo we can actually have some, a conversation now yeah and I don't want to lean too much on everyone but black women reading this but I do want to point out one more thing I was speaking at a large event uh, a few months ago at, at a bank at a very big bank and there are hundreds of executives there and at the end of it towards the end I said that they they were I mean 99.9 .9 white and at the, towards the end of it, I said that they would do well to not only read my book, which was on the screen, but to read your book in the meantime, uh, because it could give them an edge. It could give them some information that they could use to then understand better and work with their clients better. Um, what incentive do you feel it, there is for a, a straight white man, for instance, to read the memo? Yes, this, this book is for everybody. I, I think that our unconscious bias would say, oh, there's some black girl, you know, on the cover and that's for them, <laughs> right? But it's really, it's for all of us because if we want to make the workplace or any space better than we found it, then it's going to require all of us to have some kind of knowledge of what others might be going through. And that's part of stepping out, I guess, of your privilege in a sense. And so for me, I think I hope that more white men and women read it because there are many of the managers in these spaces. So how are you going to manage diverse talent if you don't understand what your diverse talent is going through, right? That's part of your education. And I think that on days when a Trayvon Martin happens and your, you know, black male or, um, you know, Latina woman walks in, don't come to them with some bull crap on that day. <laughs> you might be a little more sensitive or ask them, you know, how they're feeling or something, just have some emotional intelligence. And I think it does, offer an opportunity to kind of see things through a different lens. Yeah, I think it's a very generous offering that you're giving <laughs> to them, really, to let them know, pull them to the side in an in a environment where they don't have to, they can be uncomfortable in reading or listening to your audio, audio version, but they don't have to face anyone necessarily in that moment. And that's, a, that's kind of a, a really beautiful thing to me, you know, because um, that's probably going to be the difference between someone getting it and not. So going back though to who it was intended for originally and the, 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 the core audience, because it is for everyone. But what I found is that even down to the cover, even down to seeing that hair and that back and, and that person, um, that it made, it makes me feel seen and it makes me feel involved and represented. How important was it for you that, I mean, this is an unapologetic view of corporate life. It is, you are holding no punches. You're, you're being, you're suffering no fools. You know what I mean? You're, you're not letting people get away with things. How important was it for you to go 100% authentically into that story and into your narrative? 
Yeah, it was super important. It was probably one of the most important things I've, <clears throat> excuse me, ever done in my life because I'm like, if I get this opportunity, which I did, thank God for Hachette and Seal Press, um, because one of the things that many people may not know, when we shopped the book around, we were told four out of the five major publishers said there's no audience for this book. Who's going to buy this book? It would never do well. Um, and it did. Ah, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Exactly what? right, but if you don't have diverse representation around the table, or you don't have any allies, and you would think that books like you know ours are, are not necessary, and so it was really important because I was given this opportunity to put it out there. I'm like, I'm gonna go full throttle, 100% like Sasha Fierce, you know, like I have to put it put it out there, and it was important because we haven't always had the voice to or the agency to speak on things that really bother us outside of like our brunch with the girls or the group texts and things. So I said, if I get this opportunity, I want to crack it open because I want to make the workplace better. And if you have people who, even if no white men and women or anyone else read the book, how would it feel to finally read about your narrative or similar stories that you've experienced um, and be seen and something about being seen, it changes your whole your whole trajectory knowing that. And I think that's why I, it's one of the reasons I think people gravitate to you, right? They see that, wow, someone who looks like me could do it and they can say this and they can operate and they can, yes, I might be underestimated, but I still have the capacity. And so it was so important. And, and even in publishing, for those who may not know, it is overwhelmingly white. And so my agent, she's a, she's a woman of color, but my editor was white. My, you know, um, the legal team, like everybody. So even down to the audio version, you know, the engineers. And so I even had to lean into my courage on certain parts when they would push back and say, well, I don't get this piece of pop culture. I said, I'm keeping it, right? The person who reads it will know that this Jay-Z matters in this line here, you know? So really being intentional about the things that I say. And so down to even recording it and not being afraid like to put it out there. And, and it is part of being courageous because again, if, if we don't, if we do have the mic and we don't use it, then what, what do we have it for? That's right. hundred percent. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Uh, Chacho, make sure to put the, uh, to put the uh, link to Minda's book in the chat. Now we're, we're talking to Minda Hart's the memo, um, just a fantastic book. It's one of my favorite books of the of the past year or so, and I have been um, championing it for a very long time. Yeah, Lashana Lewis, let's let's go to some of the the questions because I, yeah. I did promise we would get to some before the end. Lashana Lewis, who is uh, a city a city lead for backstage in St. Louis, she says, "What has been the most surprising takeaway someone has had from reading your book or hearing you speak, Minda?" Um, wow. Uh, or one of them. Question. Yeah, thank you. And and I want to shout out Lashana because I came to St. Louis because of, you know, success is not a solo sport. When, I, when this book came out, there were so many people, maybe even on this call that showed up for me that didn't know me. And so like yourself, Arlen, I just want to say, you know, thank you to everybody for that. Um, you know, I think it was the one thing I loved hearing is people saying how my, my story was their story. And so I started calling this our book. It's no longer my first book. It's our first book, right? Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Once I realized that um, it was bigger than me, like the memo wasn't just about me telling the story, but 
it really could shape the next generation and make it better for the next generation and the current ones that are coming behind us. And, and it shows the publishing industry that we have stories that can be told and that we can make a profit off of it as well. And I think from a business case, um, I'm so excited about the stories that other black women, women of color get to tell because of, you know, um, having the memo out there that my story doesn't end it, but um, someone else can pick it up. And so that that's part of it because so many people come to me and say, hey, I have this, I wanted to write a book, but I never did, right? And so um, mm. how many stories are inside of people and just that encouraging, if I could do it, you could do it. You know, I'm just, I'm an around the way girl, right? So <laughs> if you can, if I can do it, trust me, you can do it. And And I think it's just nice being able to have people that you can see, wow, if, if they did it, then I could do it too. Yeah, and let's repeat what the subtitle of the book is, just for anyone who came in a little bit later than the top of it. Minda? The memo, what women of color need to know to secure a seat at the table. Yeah, I just love that. I love that. <laughs> um, and I noticed that you get a lot of, you get invited to speak at a lot of corporate events. And this book is about, mostly about the corporate world, and it can apply to many other worlds. But how does that, how does that go over? And especially when they're buying like, you know, bulk books for you, from yeah. you, and they're passing them around, do they, do they know the content before they do that? Or are they, is there sort of like this tension that happens when you, once you get there? <laughs> it's so funny that you asked that because, so when the book first came out, like, you know, August, September, and I would get invited, I'd have people say, now, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? You know, I'm like, I'm not going to burn this place down. I'm still... <laughs> Uh, that's me. I'm coming in second. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm like, I, I want to make it better. I'm, I'm not like, you know, um, Marcus Garvey trying to get you all out of here and taking you with, with me. But what I am doing is let's have a conversation, right? Uh, and so once they, they're nervous at first, early on, and then once they see that, oh, this is good, you know, uh, and so then they come back and say, oh, that was good. You could have turned it up a couple more notches. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So what I will say is uh, it's really been um, black women uh, and men too who have read the book and then they tell the powers that be or their ERGs or whomever and say, hey, we got to bring this girl in. So I think it's a surprise. I, I really love the settings where it's um, diverse because I think uh, it's important for us to to hear what we need to hear to keep on going, but it's also important for our so-called allies or those who hadn't considered their privilege to hear the stories too in the conversation. And so I've just been really fortunate to be able to go to so many companies and have these conversations because again, if we're not talking about it, uh, then we're never gonna solve these problems. Let me ask you this. Now you wrote an entire book about um, navigating the corporate world and navigating your job, this and that, as a black woman and, and, and radiating out. What's a good example of a takeaway from the book where um, someone can kind of implement that today or at least start thinking about it? Yeah, uh, one thing I would say, especially in um, a, like a COVID-19 environment where it's important not to, to shrink, it's showing up for yourself and advocacy. So right now we're in this virtual environment and you might have to get on Zoom or whatever Google Hangout in a way that you hadn't before. And so put your hand up for something, you know, show up, uh, connect with some of those decision makers, uh, ask for a coffee, like networking doesn't stop in a virtual environment, professional development doesn't stop in a virtual environment. And so I want us, there's so many opportunities, find out where those gaps are uh, in your company, the company had to reset. So ideas are welcome from a lot of voices. And so make sure that you're putting yourself in there. Don't, um, don't think that your career development stops just because you're at home, you know, 
get yourself on that screen, speak up. Um, and so for me, it's, it's really making sure that we lean into the things that we want to say and be clear. The other part I'd say is make sure you are finding sponsors or mentors inside the company because the way that being, how, how we move forward is not because you came in early and stayed late or you were on the Zoom call first and stayed till the end. It's those relationships. And so one of the takeaways is making sure you build an internal squad inside of your company so that you have people who are speaking your name when you're not on the screen. I think it's so important um, because I, I was always the only one or one of few and I didn't get ahead or have my seat without the help of others. And so make sure that you put yourself out there. Ladreka or Ladrika um, says, hello, thank you for today's conversation. Do you have a recommend recommendation on books that we can read to continue the conversation that you established with the memo. So you've already read the memo, where do you go next? I will uh, throw in just a quick suggestion, which is- You have all those books back there. Yeah. Let them know. <laughs> well, one that comes to mind is Edge. I'm not doing a good job of pointing at it, but Edge uh, by Laura Wong um, is a great, it's, it's about um, kind of taking the adversities and the, and the systematic uh, oppressions um, and, and assumptions about you and, and flipping that on its head and, and, and getting an edge over that. And she did a great example by doing a lecture in my online course uh, recently about how to do that while pitching. And so she's a Harvard professor uh, and a good friend of mine. And it's, it's a great, it's one great next step uh, if, you're, if you're thinking. Uh, it is way. a good book. Yeah, yeah. And I would definitely add to that. Uh, I would also say, I don't know if any of you, um, but Kanika Tolver, she has this book called Career Rehab, and I like the frameworks in that because sometimes we have to gut out our career and start start over or build from there. And so, um, and then uh, The Making of a Manager by Julie Zhu, I, I think her last name is pronounced. So a lot of us want to go into management or we feel stuck. And so I think that's a really good, you know, if you want to secure your seat in various ways, having that. I also have one more suggestion just for now. You can look at my bookshelf and get anything there, but... I there's just there's just a small upstart that uh, I really I, I think she's going places and I just think uh, if you want to pick up it's about damn time by Arlen Hamilton how to turn being underestimated into your greatest advantage and you know what you do let me tell you what you do when you purchase uh, the auto the audio version or the hardback or the ebook you help me get this corona hair uh, unchecked, you know what I mean? You under control, and if if for no other reason, you know, I'm gonna do a GoFundMe if you don't. So <laughs> support your girl. Support that's your girl. right. That's right. Thank you for that question. Um, we'll do another question. Um, uh, let's see if we want to. I'm seeing if we're doing softball or not. There's some. There's some pretty strong questions in here. Let's see. Um, well, just in general, Cheryl Green wants to know who are some other Black women who inspire you and what are you reading now? I guess, you know, kind of tying into that last question. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, Arlen, definitely. I, and I'm not saying this because I actually printed this out. Let me let me tell, tell you, this is not planned, but uh, on March 15th, 2016, I wrote Arlen an email. She never responded to me. Okay. <laughs> oh. No, listen, listen. This is after bad. The medium post that you sent, if you have never read that, I was so inspired after I read it, I had to send her an email and let her know, thank you for putting her words on paper. And it inspired me to keep going. And I, 
I, it's crazy that I wrote that to you. And I knew that so many people were probably trying to get your attention around that time after that Medium article. And I printed it out because I just thought, look at God, look how crazy life will bring you back like full circle to have this moment. And so it means more than you know, Arlen, to be in conversation with you because you, when I started my company, The Memo in 2015, reading what you talked about, not getting funding, having all of that, and finally having somebody give voice to what I was feeling like, it, it did more for me than you will ever know. And so to have this opportunity to be uh, in conversation with you, it, it shakes me up, y'all. It shakes me up. So. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's wonderful. I mean, thank you so much for, for saying that. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I do get like all kinds of inbound and, and I can't catch everybody, but I... I think I've been, I think I've seen you for at least two years, what you were up to and just so proud of it and, and, you know, aspiring towards what you're doing in publishing for sure. And so I, I, um, that means the world to me to hear that, to know that. Thank you. And I just want to let other people know, sometimes people aren't, may not respond to you right away, but it doesn't mean that they're not paying attention or that time will not bring you, you know, so keep pushing, keep doing your thing. Um, Another book that I'm reading right now is called um, Heart Talk. I actually have it on my desk, um, and when Arlen's book comes, I'll be reading that, but it's a poetry book and by Chloe Wade, and during this time period, you just need some, like, release uh, about resilience and redefining yourself, um, and so that's something that I'm reading, but I have a whole chapter in my book called Say My Name, Say My Name, and it talks about, you know, Black women who um, are definitely insp- inspirational, and they're ones I don't all know, but make sure that you're supporting, that we're supporting each other. Amazing, amazing. Um, Pida wants to know, Minda, and I'm 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 shortening shortening your name because I know other Pidas who go by that. It's um let me let me do this better. Pida Moyo, I believe, wants to know, Minda, if you could go back in time and give Arlen advice on writing her book, what advice would you give? Also, thank you for the fifty uh, percent off code to your book writing workshop. That was, that seems like that was a very special moment that happened. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, you know, I would say write the book because um, I don't know what, if Arlen ever felt, um, and this is a question I could ask you, Arlen, if you felt like I'm not the one to write this book, right? And I think sometimes the story that we tell ourselves is that it's not me. Uh, I know with the memo, I wavered for almost eight months. I had the opportunity to connect with an editor and I chose not to for eight months because I didn't think I was the one to write a book like this um, because I did, I wasn't like the Ursula Burns, right, of the mm. world. And sometimes we sell ourselves short. And so um, I would say that we all have a story to tell. So yes, Arlen, regardless of, you know, who might say what, um, nobody could tell your story the way you could tell it. And so that is something that um, that I would t- tell her is just to keep writing. Uh, because yeah. And so, I appreciate that. Yeah, so that's important. And yeah, and I'm having a writing retreat May 15th and 16th. So if anybody is interested in writing their book. And how do they sign up for the writing retreat if they are interested? Yeah, so who are you, watching now or listening. Yeah, if you go to my website, mindahearts.com and you sign up for the virtual book club, you'll immediately get a link and you'll also get a discount code. Uh, not as generous as the one that um, our friend just mentioned, <laughs> but definitely you'll, you'll get one. Yeah, that's, that's a special thing you have to do every once in a while just for, for those who, who need it. Um, can you go ahead and spell your full name so that people who are listening will uh, catch it when they go to the website? Yep. 
Minda, M-I-N-D-A, Hearts, H-A-R-T, as in Tom, S as in Sam. And what, what happens at your retreats? Like, especially with this virtual one, I guess it's the first virtual one, but what, what can people expect? Yeah, so this is the first writing retreat that I've done. Uh, I get so many um, questions about the book writing process, and I've done a lot of different things. I do an Instagram Live, and I've written about it. But this one, we're actually pulling the curtain back. We're going to be talking about um, how you start to write a book, traditional publishing versus um, self-publishing. We're going to talk about how you brand yourself. We're going to talk about the ideation. Uh, there's editors, New York Times bestseller editors, um, agents. Uh, let's see, Ibram Kendi, who wrote Anti-Racist and Stamped. He's going to be one of the speakers. Uh, Eve Rodsky, they were both New York Times bestselling authors last year, so they're going to talk about their path. Um, so we're really going to just dig oh. deep. It's a two-day retreat, um, and it's on a platform called Hopin. And so um, 15th and the 16th, we even have a resident DJ. And uh, so it's going to be fun. We're going to try to help you get your book out of your head. And I, we, we covered one spot for someone at Cover, uh, yes. my nonprofit, but I'm hearing you describe it. I want to go to this. So can, can, I, can I get a coupon code yeah, for yeah. some 10% <laughs> off or something? Chacho, will you make a note that I would like to attend or at least um, see if there's an on-demand version of it? Because my goodness, that sounds exciting. That's fun. Okay, cool. Uh, you throw in like a, a, a sleepover and it's a whole thing like pajama party. We're, <laughs> you can't sounds, wear your, jam, your jammas from Yeah, that, that sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> Um, Jalice Morris wants to know, Minda, what is your take on the word feminist since you, it's on your shirt? It's across your shirt. What is feminist to you? Yeah, you know, it's crazy because before I thought feminism uh, was like a, a white woman's thing. Uh, in college, um, I had a minor in, in women's studies and all my teachers were white women and they only talked about white feminists. And so I didn't think feminism was for me. Um, until I started doing more work around equity. And so feminism is, for me, means, um, you know, equity for all women. And you can ask a lot of different people, they'll tell you what that means to them. But I do consider myself um, a feminist, uh, a womanist, a humanist, um, a lot of ists um, in the positive sense. And so for me, it's just that equity for all women. And, and um, I don't know that every feminist, I, I'm not here to like judge femininity for anybody but um you know for me it's it's important um and this is uh from the phenomenal woman uh, mina harris she has a line of t-shirts and so this is the one that uh she has that i was gifted yeah <clears throat> um claire horner divine says how have you seen white women show up as allies since you put your book out for all of us and if i remember correctly i can't remember correctly i'm not even gonna assume but let's just go ahead you answered the question uh, you know, listen, um, there's been a lot of, I, I think, so it's hard to tell right now because for me, what's, what allyship shows up like is that more black and brown women, women of color will email me and say, hey, because of your book, you know, Karen, Susie, Kim are acting better, right? Karen, <laughs> Susie, and Kim. I grew up with Karen, Susie, and Kim. <laughs> they're, they're acting better, right? Uh, but we don't know that yet. But what I will say um, is I have a lot of black women in particular who will email me and said, I got it for my white woman boss or my white male boss, and I'm hoping for the best, right? Um, so for me, I don't know, but ones that have showed up for me, uh, definitely in, in, in press and speaking opportunities, um, getting paid uh, as a speaker. Um, I've had a lot of white men and women reach out to me to come to their company and speak. And I think that 
um, that's a way of allyship, right? Making sure that you bring diverse voices into your environment. Uh, so um, I'm, the book can't be successful if only just we read it. it it's going to take everybody to change the workplace. And so I hope more white men and women and black men, anybody that doesn't identify as a woman of color will read it. Yes. And Claire did clarify what I was thinking. She says, yes, she is a white woman. I, I, I thought so from, from, <laughs> but you know how, you, you know, I don't want to assume everything. Okay. Yes, yes. That kind of leads me to when you were talking about uh, men of color, um, an anonymous attendee has asked earlier and I kind of skipped it because I didn't know where it was going to lead, but how does this translate, this being, I'm sure, the book, um, to our engagement with Black men who sometimes, oh, I guess, how does this is meaning we were talking about white women. How does this translate to our engagement with Black men who sometimes act in dysfunctional ways towards us due to their own issues of coping with bias and oppression in the workplace? That's deep. Yeah. That is deep. Um, so what I will say is I've had a lot of black men who buy the book initially for their wives or daughters or sisters or somebody and then they'll come back and tell me, oh, this is actually my story too. And it showed me that I needed to step up um, how I show up for for um, other black women in the workplace. And then uh, I was at one company uh, before COVID and I had a, a black man, a man pull me to the side at the end and he's like, you know what, I did, I wasn't going to come to this talk, but I came and he's like, you know, I have a lot of young um, black women on my team uh, as colleagues and I never, I see them microaggressed all the time and I never say anything. I never step up. And he's like, you've shown me that I need to step my game up and show up for, for these women. And it's not just about me. And I think that's the part of it, right? There is a hierarchy of oppression in the workplace. And, and even though black men still deal with some of the stuff we do, they do have it a little bit better, just like white in the women. Workplace. Right? Yeah, in the workplace. So yes. white women. Not on the street. <laughs> not on the street, <laughs> on I the have street. to say. Not no. Only in the workplace. Thank you for clarifying. Um, yeah. and white women, yes, we experience, they experience sexism and, and some of those things, but they will never experience racism, right? So it's one of those things that, um, not in, in, in America anyway. And so I think it's important um, that we step up and we show up because allyship takes action and we can all be an ally. Right. And one of the things we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more right in this, as we kind of go into our third act here, um, we did say that we were going to talk more and more about how our two books kind of complement, complement each other. And, and uh, um, you know, it's about damn time coming out May 5th, which is just less than a week away now. I can't even believe that your, your, the memo has been out since August of 2018. That's 2019. 19. Which one? <laughs> okay. I'm good. 19, 2019. Um, so how do you view it? Because I, I mean, I have all kinds of ideas about it. And we were talking earlier um, about just, you know, sharing information with each other and, and kind of going through this. Someone asked if you had advice for me before I wrote it. What advice do you have for me going into this launch week? Yeah, I would say enjoy it uh, because I think that I was so concerned if anyone would buy it, would it do well? What would people think? Would they think it's too radical? Have I pushed the limits you know, too far? Um, I was really concerned about what other people would think of it. And I think because I was running at 100 miles per hour, I couldn't just enjoy um, the fact that 
I won anyway, just putting a book out there, right? I want, we won having a book out there. And so whoever ends up reading it, they're going to find it and they're going to get what they need out of it. And I can't be concerned with this book that doesn't speak to, to someone, right? Because I know it's helping more than, um, than not. And so for me, I would say to you, enjoy this ride, enjoy it, because you're going to help so many people by putting your story out there. And um, I think about Brene Brown. She talks about the people in the cheap seats, right? Don't listen yes. to the people in the cheap seats because they're not in the arena. They didn't write the book. They didn't put themselves out there. And it's easy for people to critique your work when they're in the cheap seats. That's right. And Brene, she is, I, I really love Brene's work. And I, I think she's so genuine. Just side note, she's genuine behind the scenes too. Like she really shows up um, mm -hmm. and has been super helpful in the last few weeks for me. That's and awesome. um, just, just, you know, just to know, and thank you so much for that advice. And I, I definitely will be kind of being aware of how I'm perceiving the week. And, and, you know, I, the good thing is, and I don't know why this is the case, but the good thing is I don't necessarily mind if I don't make any lists or anything. Um, I'm more, um, I'm really excited about more and more people getting the book using it as a tool you know because yeah. people so many people have had the chance to read it and the pre and the the, the launch of it uh, from the book launch team and others who have reviewed it uh, critically and they there's such great feedback of how it's helpful to them um which is just super exciting it's why i do everything right it's that impact of it so yeah. i i appreciate that and and did you 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 tell some very personal stories in your book did you have anybody come back from your past that said and not not just your friend who said did i do that but someone you called out you, you know did they come back and say wait a second that's not how i perceived it or how could you put that in there yeah not yet um nobody has had the guts to tell me that that didn't <laughs> <laughs> now i have had a former coworker say, you're talking about so-and-so, right? I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's to your point, you know, this one, it's for us um, and it's for the people who, who need it. And, and we need to be able to read our stories told by us, right? And if other people read it, then that's a win. But um, for me, even now, uh, when, the, when the book first came out, uh, living in New York City, I thought I might run into some of my old colleagues. I'm like, what am I going to do if I'm like in the lobby and I see so-and-so, you know, so all these crazy things go through your head. But uh, like I said, just enjoy the ride because it's it's such a beautiful thing to be able to share your story and share your voice with the with others because you're tapping into something. What you release next week, Arlen, is helpful to somebody else, right? Release the mm -hmm. next thing and, and it triggers. And, and that's mm -hmm. what I love about the impact of of books. Amazing. Did you, you, were you saying that your, your book has had like more of a, a, a I call, you know, a long tail that it's called, like, has it been steadily um, selling? Has it raised or has it had these like, you know, mountain peaks? What, what kind of determines that? Or have you been able to tell? You know, what I will say is that if you haven't bought the books, go and get it. <laughs> um, but what I will say is, it's been like a slow burn, right? Because people have to read it and then they have to tell somebody, right? Or they started book clubs. And so um, there was like a small dip. And then now that we're in COVID-19, a new group of people are finding it, right? And so, and sharing it. And, and so it's really just been awesome to see the, the journey that the memo is on. 
Um, but most importantly, the thing that gets me every time that literally brings tears is the DMs, the emails of women who are reading it and saying, thank you, I needed this, right? Yeah. And sometimes we don't realize what we need um, until we read it and, or, or hear it. Yeah, there's not a day that goes by where I don't see somebody sending you a message or mentioning it. It, it is definitely uh, impacting such such a great deal. And then we won't know the impact for years, right? Yeah. The true impact for years, which is fantastic. We're going to start closing out. Um, I love this question from Barbie Wicker, who says simply, can you talk a little bit about, um, I'm sorry, it, I do, thank you, Barbie, for asking that, but I'm looking up one, Felicia Polk. Uh, asked simply, I'd like to ask Minda how writing the book has affected her. Because you can talk about facts and stats and impact, but how has it affected you? Have you, have you learned something through it? Oh, that's an awesome question. Um, yeah, you know, I've actually learned so much about myself in this process. It's actually taught me to be braver um, and to take risks. Uh, because when we lean in you know, I think about the women uh, and men, the freedom fighters, those who came before us, they had to be courageous, you know, and we're direct beneficiaries of their courage. And, and for me, I realize if I sit quietly and don't talk about the inequalities that black women face in the workplace or women of color, then I'm doing the next generation a disservice. And so I've found that I was stronger than I thought I was. You know, I, I thought I'd be, um, I wasn't sure I'd be able to go into some of these top companies and speak my truth, right? I thought that I might, when I step into a room full of white people and I'm talking about the memo, you know, questioning, am I gonna be able to say what needs to be said and pushing into that because I know that if I don't do it, no one else might. Uh, and so for me, I've really found that I'm a lot stronger than I thought that I mm. was. And I would encourage everybody, you're much stronger than you think you are. That's wonderful, beautiful. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing so much with our audience. I mean, we could talk for another hour, I'm sure. Um, but I'm going to make sure I'm going to be mindful of your time and all of our time and, and kind of wrap things up. I appreciate everyone um, for participating, asking questions for just viewing. You all have been so amazing, um, especially those like who have been to multiple events virtually. This is so new and so different and really appreciate your support and hope we're bringing value in, in different ways. Um, we have a ton of more events that are set up. If you go to itsaboutdamntime.com slash events, you can sign up for more and hopefully it's helping a little bit of this, um, you know, what we're going through kind of pass by um, in, in, a, in a more comfortable way giving you information. Is there anything, um, Minda, that you want to close on that you want to make sure that everybody knows uh, or just reiterate where to, where to find your book? Uh, you know, Arlen, thank you again. Wishing you nothing but success, whatever that means to you, right? Not, not by anybody else's standards. I want to thank Chacho. And I also want to let everybody know to be kind to yourself during this time. Um, we're all like dealing with it in a different way. Um, but hopefully you're, you're well. And again, thank you for for seeing me, I wrote the memo so that other people would be seen and, um, and I'm being seen in, in the same way. And so it means a lot. So thank you so much to everybody. All right, all right. We're gonna close out everybody. If you were taking screenshots and you were posting on social, this is your last chance. Uh, I'll let you do this too, if you, if you want. And then yes. feel free. Hey, Go get, the book. <laughs> hey, get this book, itsaboutdamntime.com is where you pick it up. May 5th, Tuesday, I'm going to be talking about it forever. So if you don't like it, it's probably a good time to tap out. 
<laughs> and Minda, I'm, I'm watching your success. I'm watching your, I'm taking your lead with this book for sure, for sure. Everybody, thank you, Chacho. Thank you, Brittany and Christy for, from Backstage Capital for, for joining as well. I'll see everybody else out there in, in these. See you on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> in these virtual streets, y'all. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.